chapter 8 and 9, it's very interesting. When you look at chapter 7, 8, and 9, it looked like they all flow, they all flow together. And 7 and 8, you know, have the similar uh, tenor, same vernacular. Uh, this is in your own time. Uh, they seem to, you know, really co- coincide. However, I want to encourage you that actually chapter 9 fits right into there. And, here, and here's why. In your own time, what I want you to do, here's what I want you to do. Here's the homework, fam. Okay, so, so we're going to do something weird. We're going to actually do chapter 9 today. And then I want you to go back, and with what we talk about in chapter 9, I want you to look at chapter 8. And here's why. Because it seems that chapter 8, um, as he's having this discussion uh, with these leaders, this is this huge argument about who's your daddy and all this stuff. Um, it seems to be an argument that's um, like just highly theological. So there's a lot of theological uh, packed truths in there. And if you really do have an argument about who's your daddy, right? Because he says, well, you're like, I'm Abraham. He's my daddy. And it's like, well, your daddy's the devil. And they go off. So it's crazy. Um, but, but then what happens, so you got the theology. And then what chapter 9 is, is I would propose that chapter 9 is the case study of chapter 8 almost. Okay, so chapter 9 is this miracle that happens. Another, he does another healing, okay? He heals a blind man. And I want to I suggest to you that, that him healing the blind man is basically what he was trying to tell these guys all along in chapter 8. So he actually does the practical case study. He actually does what he's sort of theorizing in chapter 8. Does that make sense? So what I want you to do is I want, to, I want you to go back and, I will, and, and, and what, what, my, what our heart is, is that, is that you will be able to look at chapter 9 from what we talk about. And as you look at chapter 8, you will be able to see uh, different truths and actually hopefully say, oh, so now I understand this theological point and I see how these fit together. So I want you to look at those and I want you to be able to try to match uh, themes together. Uh, I want you to be able to, and we can come back next week and we'll have some time of questions and answers. I want you to be able to match themes. I want you to be able to see um, similarities uh, see where he was making a theological point here, and he actually does it here. Uh, so I want you to do that. Because what we're trying to do is, we're trying, our heart is that we can build a culture where, where our people, all of us, we understand as we're going out into the world that, that the Bible, the Bible isn't about like what to think. It's not like just a bunch of facts. But it's really how to think. There's a difference. How to think is not just facts. It's worldview. It's, it's, a, it's a lens. It's how you see things versus going, here's a verse, and this is what it says, and do this. And, you know, it's, it's not like a, a, you know, a vacuum manual, right, when you, you, know, you just keep turning the page and you follow instructions and then you have success at the end. It's an epic story where God is trying to give you an understanding of how to view the world from his perspective. And that's different. And see, now, and with that, now it becomes all in Christ. And so God is now asking you, in the power of the Holy Spirit, how do you use wisdom to see the world? That, make, that makes you more wiser. I would proclaim to you that makes you God-centered and what he wants us to be about. And now it's not itemized, you know, does this verse say this, then I can do this. You see, follow that? You see the difference? So that's, that's what we're trying to do. So even hopefully this exercise will help me move us along a little more toward that end. With that said, we're going to jump right into chapter 9. So we are moved past chapter 8. You're going to look back at chapter 8. We're going to jump into chapter 9 and uh, hopefully uh, be encouraged in our faith. Now, i got different people reading. So what I want to do, who's my verse 1 through 5 guy? So we're going to do, you guys follow along in your Bibles. We're going to pass this around, uh, this mic, to different individuals who will be reading.
we'll be reading next. After, okay, so you see, you need to pass that mic to Nate after that. Okay. Uh, We're going to start in verse 1 through 5 and then make a few points real quick, and I'll ask a few questions. Um, go ahead, buddy. Okay, J- John chapter 9. <clears throat> Jesus, heals a bli- Jesus heals a man born blind. As he went along, he saw <laughs> a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, um, so I'm going to say to you guys, there are more miracles of giving sight to the blind um, Recorded of Jesus and any other healings, and in, 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 in when you think of categories of healings, all that he did, he did more of healing people uh, who were blind. Okay, uh, why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say so. Yep. Mhm. It was dramatic. Okay, shocking. And what he uses as a teaching tool. Does any, is any, uh, do you guys remember anything in scripture? Okay, he's the light of the world. Okay, yeah, so, and obviously, blind people, I don't know if they see light or not. I'm not blind. Yeah, do you, you remember? Yeah, so, so there's, there, there's prophecies, uh, in the Old Testament where that he would give sight to the blind. Okay, some, um, we can write down a few. Um, I don't know if we ha- you can pop those up. So Exodus 4, 11, Psalm uh, 146, chapter 8. You can just write those addresses down. There's more. But there's a sense of, remember what we always say, guys? And, I, and I'll say it over and over again so you'll wake up in the cold sweat and now you go, you know, you'll, you'll, just, you'll just scream like, oh, God does what God does, you know, because basically the way Jesus shows himself as being God is throughout Scripture, he basically, and it's not, it's not profound, he basically says what God says and does what God does. And then he goes, so if I say what God says and I do what God does, you do the math, right? That's basically how Jesus goes through life uh, to, to show the world who he is. If you're sort of wondering, so is this really God and he, he does a God thing and makes you make the uh, necessary conclusion. Here's another example. Uh, for the people, he heals the blind so that they're saying, so who is this Jesus? He says, remember who God is, what he does? I just did what God said he does. What do you think? Right? That makes sense? Um, so, so he asked this question a couple of times in those verses, um, but also it's, it's messianic. Um, that, that basically he's saying that the Messiah, that God's own Messiah, is himself Jesus. Right? That this is, he's saying, I, it's not only that I do what God does, but I am the Savior that God is bringing uh, to the world, God himself. Um, what's interesting to me is that this particular uh, miracle, again, is done on the Sabbath. And to me, that's just hilarious because, you know, he's already gotten in trouble. Right. So you think the brother say, well, I'm just going to do this on Wednesday. But he keeps trying to get in trouble and he does it again on um, the Sabbath. And we don't and, and I, don't, I don't know if it's chronological or not, but it seems to be. Uh, so I just think it's interesting that he would continue um, uh, to do that. Let me ask you a question, though. Uh, why do you think so the, the Pharisees 
they haven't taken disciplinary action against him. They, they approach him with a spiritual need. Um, you know, if you look at you look at this the miracle, we're gonna you, you we're gonna read through it a little bit in verse uh, one through five. He, um, you know, I'm gonna pause on that. I want to talk about this reality. I just out of share right now. So he, what he does, he comes. He doesn't ask any questions. He heals the blind man. Uh, then the Pharisees uh, see him, and he never tells the blind man who he is. And then after the blind man is healed, he comes back to him, and then he addresses the spiritual needs of the blind man. So what kind of theme do we learn from that? Uh, uh, That he takes care of our needs first, our physical and human needs. Okay, so I just gave you sort of a quick pericope of what, so he, so he, he, he comes and he, he heals this blind man, and then he, he goes away, and they have this altercation, and then he comes back, and then that's when he deals with the guy's spiritual needs. And I wanted to just ask you guys, so what's the, like, what is he trying to teach us there? I'm just tripping. It's a trick question. I, I, I would suggest he's not trying to teach us anything there. Um, I just want us to, I want us to get away. <laughs> Boo! Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Well, you know what? You'll never forget this, though. So, <laughs> I want us to—I want us to have conviction that—that that although it seems cool, God isn't trying to say there's a stereotypical way of Him bringing life to people. He's not saying that, you know, first I uh, maybe I, I I save them and then I heal them. He's not saying first I heal them then I bring them to Christ. Like God's ways are His ways, and I just want us to all. Make sure that we don't read that kind of stuff into the text. Okay? So that's why I even bring it up. Is that I would say uh, that's just what he did at this point, um, and that there's no stereotypical um, approach uh, to, the beauty, to the beauty of God. So tell me as much as you can. Let me just pick on somebody. Um, who goes by? You guys got a Bible right there? Lee, look at the text there. Tell me as much as you can uh, about this man and Jesus' interaction with him. Before the healing. Blind from birth. (laughs) He was blind from birth. And um, it said he nor his parents sinned. He nor his parents sinned. That that caused him to be blind. Um, Okay. Anything else? Anyone want to help sis? You're doing great, by the way. Anything else? He was, he was born blind so that God could do a work in his life. So he was born blind specifically so God could do a work in his life. Okay. Anybody else? He's a beggar. He's a beggar. Okay. And uh, was he a well-known man? Yes, 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 Deborah. No, but at the same time, I find it interesting that you know he's not well known, there's a public perception that there's something wrong, but then it's like, I think it's caused him to be blind. Even though he's known, he's safe, and though he's busy, 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 he
So the question is, how did the disciples know that he was blind from birth? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I would suggest, I would suggest that. Now, I think I hear you saying this, um, but I would suggest that, considering the scenario that he gave you little tidbits, and we can't be totally sure, but I'm kind of comfortable that he, he must have been somewhat known because they had this history of him that hadn't been discussed. Um, they had some stuff on him that hadn't been discussed. So, uh, again, you can't write doctrine on it, but it seems that it might make kind of sense that uh, they knew a little bit about him. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that the guy doesn't say, Jesus, heal me, or hey, I'm blind, or, or the disciples didn't go, hey, Jesus, there's a blind dude over there. It seems that Jesus totally took initiation here. See in the text there? Jesus totally initiates with him and starts to just do the healing. Out the blue. I think that's very, uh, very, very interesting. Um, and what I have here is I want to make us aware of some doctrinal tidbits that we see in the text here. Um, I love this. So first he says, suffering is not always due to sin or lack of faith. Okay, just some doctrinal tidbits from the first five verses that, that come up. Uh, that, that a lot of times, you know, and, and again, in, some, in some, some kind of weird theologies, but I feel like we can go through this in our own life. Is we, can, we can kind of live a life that, that based on what I do, it will be the extent to God's blessing in my life. And, and, I, and it seems that James talks about, you know, sin leading to death and God not wanting us to sin. And we understand the reality that that sin does hinder our fellowship with the Lord for sure. It hinders our intimacy with God. But it seems that God's graciousness is under, we, we, it's undefinable to us. We don't even understand how to discuss it. And it seems that the Bible teaches that it's not necessarily that you're bad and then you get beat up. You're bad and then you don't get blessed. It's not necessarily true. It seems that the Bible talks more about your bad choices and sin in itself is what leads you to drama and danger. Right. Just the, the necessary repercussions of evil and sin. Not that you sin and then God goes boom. It's like he leads you to have to sort of you made your bed lying it kind of stuff. Does that make sense? That's very different than God just busting you up because you, you know, didn't do your homework. See, you got an F because you didn't do your homework. It wasn't God, it was you. So it seems that the, the Bible doesn't give a lot of airplay on this sense, on this, this sort of, I do this and basically this is what happens to me from God. It seems the Bible talks more about um, the consequence of sin and at the very same time in Hebrews 13 that he disciplines those he loves. So I just want to make sure again, as we're thinking about the th- uh, understanding God, we can't put him in a box. I don't want us living a life thinking that, okay, God's grace is determined by my works. That's not biblical. But he's, he's, he's super gracious. He's so loving. But at the same time, he's so perfect. So we can't calculate how it happens and why things happen, but definitely don't think like that. Don't live a life like that. Another tidbit. I'm kind of going off here, but I just want to see these little tidbits. I mean, they're, just, they're packed with theology, so I want to make sure we, we, we get a little grasp. And, and ask questions or, or respond, please. I think I knew my sister would give me that eye like, hold on, brother. Lori says, yes. We all family, so I'm gonna get y'all used to this. When I'm ever gonna teach, I'm gonna do this every week. But come back now, don't. Okay, so I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying yes. about 
you know, our suffering is not necessarily due to sin or lack of faith. But what you were saying about not necessarily doing our homework leading leads to suffering some sometimes. Okay, I get that and agree with that. But what about, I mean, you're not saying that every time someone, okay, what I'm trying to say is people cannot be in sin and still have suffering come into their life, right? You, you would say that. Okay. Definitely. Oh, yeah, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah. what I'm trying to say okay. is that we can't, we, we're not the determine. we can't determine that. Is that I want to encourage us, let's leave, let's leave the, let's leave the, the responses and the supernatural to God and let's just, let's just follow hard after the Lord. It seems that we're trying to, we, we, we want to have God, we want to have sort of like his incommunicable attributes and not just rest in those that he's already given us. Incommunicable means that there's things that we can't have. They're just God's. Those are his attributes. You know, being all-knowing. Those are, that's his attribute. He says, that's mine alone. I'll let you know some stuff, but you can't be all-knowing. You know, and so I'm, it seems that the Bible wants us to rest in how he's made us and say, you know, I don't know how this works. You know, but God's good. And sometimes, you know, my consequences make me, I fall into sin. And sometimes, you know, I'm doing real, things are going great. And, and um, you know, and I, I see, the, I see the, the, the fallenness of life, you know. You know, you see that your, you know, your child gets a bum kidney, you know, or something like that. And you go, well, man. And what can happen is you can start to go in the bedroom and go, my son has a bum kidney. What did I do? And that's, and that's where Satan got us. He has us there, you know. So we will all have drama. If you love Jesus, you will have drama. See, I'm just going to tell you, if you don't love Jesus, you might not. You might still have drama. I don't know. But if you love Christ, the Bible says you will. This is going to be a fight of faith. Kingdom ownership. Notice this. I, I love the kingdom ownership piece. Um, don't you love how he says, um, he says we? I love, I love that. You see that? Um, let me go down here. Uh, he says, uh, he says, Jesus said, but this happened so that the man, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. You know, now the, now the disciples hanging with Jesus. He's like, yeah, Jesus, you do your thing. You know, he's like, no, see, we must do the work. You know, he, they're probably like, yeah, we, Jesus. You know, like wondering, we? I'm just, I like hanging, but I ain't trying, what you want me to do? I can't heal people. I can't. Can you imagine? So, so it's, it's, there's this kingdom ownership that Jesus assumes you're kicking it with me, then, then, then we are going to be expanding God's kingdom. This is what we need to be about. I just want to make sure we, we, don't, we don't miss how he, he engages and, and, and brings them alongside. And then continue on with that, um, this whole sense of we to do what? Continue on, please. There's this reality of, of mission ownership, of, of seizing the moment here. He continues on. He says... Uh, but this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Verse 4, as long as it is day, uh, we must do the work of him who sent me. What does that mean, as long as it is day? Go ahead. Say it again so I can make sure I heard you, sis. <laughs> he says, night is coming when no one can work. Like, could it be referring to uh, the fact that, like, second coming? Almost like. Second coming? Yeah. We got 
could be the betrayal. Um, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Oh, is Deborah Neal? I just figured as long as we're breathing oxygen, it's day. Once you pass on, like your opportunity to work is no longer. So I would, I mean, I would guess I can come in as well as what I, my initial thought was, but then um, as long as you're on the earth, that is your season, that's your moment. How do we, yeah, how do we find out, like, where, where he's going here? What are some tools? <laughs> what you got over there, Nate? So he talks about himself being in the world and that be, like that signifying the light I and mean, he's the light of the world and then I would I mean I would guess like the time between him being in the world and the Holy Spirit is like the time of darkness because there's no neither he is there nor the Holy Spirit working through his church but I don't okay. I don't know where that is and which is you got you guys are all in kind of an agreement so uh so what kind what literary tool did, did Nate use and and Adrian and you just said that too, didn't you? you, you who's, who, who else? Were you? Okay, what 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 literary tool was that, guys? Probably just context, right? Just kept reading the passage. You continue, you continue to read the passage, and, you, and then you and you continue to look forward, and you realize, okay, so this whole issue of of light. He says, "I'm light of the world." So basically, if he's light of the world, in the context there, he says it'll be time of darkness. So, when, so basically, when Jesus is out of the world, well, then you go, well, when he dies, then well, that's kind of weird because we're here and are we like you? Well, then God sends. He says the Paraclete, the, like the one who's like him, like he sends God. So God sends God. So basically, God is still in the world. The light is still in the world. So I would suggest. The same that he's talking about this time, this time, this missional age that we're all in right now and during his time is that as long as as Christ is here and he's here now in the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus dies and he sends the Holy Spirit, uh, the the spirit that raised Jesus himself from the dead to live in us, to be his missionaries, right, to to empower us to be his missionaries into the world. And so when that time is done, when Jesus comes back to fully take over. Right. When when he takes his people out, then that's the darkness. So it seems that there's this great missional age that he's talking about that we need to be seizing a day with. Um, have you ever thought about that? Like, I, I guess when I when I when I look at that, is that do we see this time as like seizing the moment? Do we see this time as like, OK, so this is the time I have to, you know, we were at a conference and, and a guy said, even though I disagreed a little bit, but his point was valid in that this is the one of the only times that this is the only time we will be able to see people get saved. Like some of the other things you guys are doing, the theology of work, you know, I, I believe in the theology of work that you there will be stuff in the kingdom for us to do. Um, the, the things that we're putting all our time in. Um, it seems like this will be the one thing we won't be able to do when the kingdom comes. So I, I, just, I, just, I just think it's very honest of, of us to be asking, what kind of tenacity do I have about kingdom expansion? Considering that Jesus himself is like, no, you're, that, that this, your life. See, and what we can do, what we do sometimes, if we're, if we're trying to like to just, you know, meander the Bible, in my opinion, we can... Um, we can just kind of say, well, no, he's just talking to the disciples. 
you know, these, these super guys. And I want to always encourage you, no, he's talking to those who are following him, and they just happen to be there. That this is to the believer. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm the light of the world, and guess what? Night's coming. Um, but while I'm here, this is, this is what we need to be about. Honest question, are we about that? Um, so, yeah, and light, light itself. I love, light is very interesting. We always say this, light has two functions, family. Then we're going to fly through the text after this. I thought this was a very meaty part. Light always has very two functions. Uh, I, I think light's deep in that light, it, 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 um, people who want light run to it, right? When you, when you want to be in the light, if you don't want to be in the dark and you're scared of the dark, I got kids, and this is so funny, like we don't teach them to be scared, but they kind of just get it already, it's so funny. I'm like, man, I, I try to be really intentional. They don't watch you no know, weird movies or anything. And, and still, you know, when I got to go to the bathroom, there's our little, we got a little bathroom a couple steps down out on the side door, man. And at night, Joe be like, you ready to go to the bathroom? Go to the bathroom. You know, honey, he's like, like he's looking at me like over there. You know, and it's like, he, he just as a little kid, he's still, and then you know, there's a light switch. And so he'll like try to you know, figure out how to get to the light switch where he's not in the darkness. It's just really interesting to me. And I'm just watching him like, wow, like where did this come from? Um, so, so he wants the light. So he'll turn it on. Now he's straight. he walked down there and use the bathroom. Um, so so there's, that, there's that one function where people who want light run to it. But there's another function for people who are doing deeds of evil. They don't want the light because it exposes them. So there's two functions, people who run to the light and people who are very upset with light because light actually exposes who they are. Light always has those two functions in us. Let's continue on. Um, Our next readers. Verses 6 to 12. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with a saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. <laughs> uh, how then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus, made some mud, and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Isn't that a fun, isn't that a very interesting passage? I love how, so he, he gets healed uh, by Jesus. Um, and, okay, so he's a beggar. He's a, he's a blind man. So, so like, now go here with me. Okay, so I'm sure when he got healed... He probably didn't go home and change clothes. I'm sure he didn't have like this exorbitant uh, wardrobe, right? So he probably wore some of the same stuff. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Maybe a couple outfits. But he probably wore the same stuff. He's been begging, so he's out all the time. Okay, so so he's begging, and then and then he's, he's, his eyes are closed, or maybe his eyes are even open, but now he can actually see. So there's no there's not much change in his appearance. Is my point. And yet, he goes up to the very same people who see him all the time. See the two groups? Who are the two groups from the text? Neighbors and those who have formerly seen him. Right? And they don't even, they, they're kind of like, no, that's not him. 
And it kind of weird. I just think I just think it's hilarious. Um, yeah, they just like oh, he, it, just, it looks like him. I mean, he just has the same clothes and everything. But and I was wondering, like maybe his eyes was closed and he opened them. He looked different. Well, I'm like, that's that's kind of a stretch. Um, but they don't believe it's him. And I love I love how um, in this text here, he he has like this this continual revelation. He starts here by this man Jesus, right, and doesn't even know what else to call him or what else to say about him. Um, you, you notice that? And then I want you to notice, as the story continues, his revelation grows. Okay, so I, even as we, as we continue to read, I want you to point out if you see an increase uh, in revelation, okay? Any questions about this text here? Pretty straightforward. I'm going to continue on because there's some other things. Okay, can we read verses 13 through 16? They brought to the Pharisees the man who, was, who had been blind. Now the day on which... Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sign. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed it. And now I see... Wait, I lost it. And now I see some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he, for he, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Awesome. Okay, so what's the goal of miracles? Uh, let me see. T- take a stab at it, uh, Chanel. What's the goal of miracles? The goal, like why does why does Christ do miracles? Right. So basically, the goal is to produce faith, right? So he's trying to, you know, I do this miracle and you go, oh, so you got okay, cool, but it's not happening um, the way he desires. I think it's very interesting. Notice the entry point here of discernment. Look at verse verse, uh, 16. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. So that's, um, you've got got the Pharisees and you've got two groups. And look at the entry points of discernment, how each each group gives discernment. Okay? But others ask, how how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? See, one person's entry point was the Sabbath. The other person's discernment of entry point was a miracle. See that? And you see how the entry point led to two very different directions? So one group says, you know what? I don't know. I know I got all the rules and stuff, but this dude just did a miracle. Okay, so I'm going to start at the the miracle, and I'm going to work my way back from there. He did a miracle, so I don't know what's going on. I just know, like, usually this kind of stuff, it seems like God's stuff. Where the other group starts with, no, here are the rules, and... I'm kind of mad because I don't care what he did. I don't even know if he did it. But here, here's, what, here's what makes me upset. And I was going to ask myself, I, I, this is what we see a lot. You know, I wonder if, I was asking myself, I wonder what the entry point of discernment is for all of us. I would love to hear the story. Like, what, what was it that clicked in your mind and said, let me just inquire more about Jesus? And what I want to encourage us all, and even as we go out and serve, and serve the Lord and desire to have a missional posture, it seems every person in this room who are serious about Jesus Whatever your entry point is, it eventually has to be reoriented to the cross. 
eventually to, to, to be a healthy believer, your entry point, you can't stay at, I got all these facts. Uh, you can't stay at, pay my bills. Right? You can't, you can't stay at, you know, Jesus, make, give me a wife, and then I'll love you. So those are, some, you know, we all got these weird, ungodly, right, entry points where God is really gracious. Uh, but it seems that, I just want to encourage us, as we do life, though, at some point, that it has to enter into, like, well, who, it has to enter into the historical Jesus. Who is Jesus? And what does he mean to us? Um, that's, all for, that's all for free. I just, I just thought that was kind of interesting, this whole issue of, of the sermon and where the argument starts here, that one, one group starts with the Sabbath, the other starts with the miracle, and then we see where they lead. Um, we'll just continue on. Is there any questions as we, as we unpack the text, though? There's not much to unpack there. It's really straightforward. Verses 17 through 24. Who has a mic? Starting in verse 17. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he, was the, he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was blind, born blind? How is it that he now can see? We know he is, uh, he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Hey, Rich, hold on right there. Hey, somebody give me some insight on the parents. What do you guys think about the parents here? Chickens. <laughs> what is chickens? When you, when you heard that, like, Ray, what do you think about that? The parents is, is, call, is, is putting them out there like that. Uh-huh. So afraid. Hold on, that's that's kind of that's kind of deep. So, so instead of instead of telling them what they even what they really knew, maybe they just they totally copped out. Interesting. Yeah, I'll go, go ahead, Nate. I don't think they're at the healing, but I think they can. They know that he was. They know that he was miraculously healed, and they're like, and they're just going. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like they're just totally going. And I think. We can rest in the text saying the reason why they were totally like, like hands off is because of fear. So they probably don't have as much information as the blind man himself, but they definitely got more information than they gave the Pharisees. I think we can rest and say that because of like, Chanel? Very good question. I would suggest that he that he was still trying to deal with the information that he didn't have all the information that he was still trying to understand who he was too. I would suggest that he probably didn't know he was a Christ personally. But I think that's a, but that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if the parents knew that he was a Christ. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if their issue, like even if they're asking the question, is this your son? They ask, is this the one you say who was born blind? How is it that he can see? He is our son. Parents answer, and we know he's born blind. But how he can see or open his eyes, we do not know. I think they, I think there they could have said even, hey, you know, we heard some dude. I mean, tr- trust me, he didn't come home, go cut a piece of bread, and then they didn't ask him. Okay, he wasn't like watching TV now, and they're just like, oh, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? They was probably like, dude, you can see? You know? Right? And then he was like, well, yeah, mama, just do. You know, like, heal me. So I'm saying, just to, to, to continue with Nate, there in itself, they, they at least could have said, some dude healed my son. Or I don't, you know, but that they were, they were, they were taking, they weren't giving the info out of a fear. For him, so I don't think they understood, like, here we are, we got these Bibles and all this stuff. I don't think they had a, a clear, because even the disciples themselves really didn't understand who Jesus was for a while, you know? So, yeah. So but that's, I love that. I love that, again, uh, part of us understanding the truth of God and applying it is first asking questions of the text. Um, so that's what I'm calling on a lot of you guys, because this is very different. I'm trying to, like, have us together wonder about the beauty of God and what's going on in the scriptures. Sis? I mean, I really think they are. I think it's clear as day to me they are. I think the information, again, from the text of the fear that they had, the way they answered the questions, it seemed like they, it didn't seem like a mom and daddy who backs their son. You know, I'm from the, I'm from the hood. You know, my mom would have been like, well, you asking questions about my baby anyway, you know. <laughs> Want to swing on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, hold on. You, who are you? You know. But they like, you know, hands off kind of. So, so to me, it seems at best, they're just like, look, man, you're on your own, you know. I'm happy about your, your sight and stuff, but, you know. <laughs> That's kind of deep. That, no, that, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know. And I think that's, I think that's good to ask those kind of questions because that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, at the same time, you know, right now we have, you know, you can like, do your reading through your hands and all of the real and all this stuff. And, and there's jobs. There's a lot of jobs. I mean, there weren't a ton of jobs. Like the economy weren't like, you know, exploding, you know, for blind folks in the first century. So I'm just thinking the only job a blind person can get was probably big to be honest. But I don't know if they were, if he was like begging and then bringing a loot home to the crew or if he was doing his own thing. You know, I, like the text don't, don't let us know. But I think that's good um, questions to be asking um, as we're trying to understand what, what the Lord is uh, saying here. So are we in agreement, Teresa?
Which you say, I mean, I agree, I did, but, but I love the joy of, I think his joy is a Christ-centered, like joy, like almost a descriptive joy that God is saying, here's what a person who responds to my revelation appropriately looks like. Like he, re, he responds with what he knows. I don't know a lot, but a dude made me see, you know, I think he's a prophet. Oh, and then he's learning a little more. So I think he's, t- I think he's okay. Uh, the parents are being kind of suspect. I think it's interesting that he says um, that the guys, they ask the, they ask the guy again, um, they summon a guy who's blind, and they, and they say, give glory to God. What do you think is going on there? We know this man is a sinner. That's what he says. He tells the blind guy, I mean, obviously, for the sake of time. Well, no, I, um, well, I think they're, they're calling him out. They're almost like saying, look, quit worshiping that guy and give the glory to where the glory. Like, all that guy did was put some mud on your face. God healed you. I'll suggest that's what they're trying to say. You know, why are you talking about Jesus when all you, you know, he was just a tool, which is it's ironic, right? Because we can say that today and it actually be true, right? Somebody, you, you lay hands on somebody and they get healed and we like praising God or we go, man, you know, Lori healed this guy. And God, you know, God used her. And then we're, we can say appropriately, give glory to God. God used Lori, but it was God. But this is, a, this is like one of a few times where actually he is giving glory to God. That you can say directly to Jesus Jesus healed me, and it's not robbing God of any glory. Um, which is very interesting. So I, I, I think that's a very interesting uh, uh, passage that, he would, that, he would, that they would be so, like, sort of, you know, a pious about the whole scenario. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going I'm to read the text, and we're going to just fly through. And I just wanted you to don't miss a few verses, okay, fam? Uh, we're in verse 26 uh, through 33 right now. Um, it says, uh, then when they asked him, am I right? Oh, did I skip some verses? Oh, I'm sorry. Continue on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Please, please. I, did I skip some? Go ahead, please. I, know I, put, I, said, I put read the famous verse. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> please, I'm sorry. Go ahead, buddy. So, <laughs> starting at verse 24, a second time, they summoned the blind man, or the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me continue. Yeah, so there you go, sis. So, I, uh, <laughs> so that famous verse, I think it's powerful because I want to say that verse and another verse we're going to come down in a moment is sort of the, is sort of the theme of, of chapters uh, 8 and 9 is, is, that, is that we got blind people seeing. And then I'll, I'll pause there, and there's a second part to that. Uh, verse 26 through 33, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Then he asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. I love that. So he already told him the story, right? He says, why do you want to hear it again? And he's like, do you? You want to be down with Jesus, too? Like, is that? just be honest, man. If you want to, you can be a disciple. Like, it's almost like calling him out, like, you know, you don't have to just keep asking me. Why don't you just, just follow Jesus kind of deal, which I thought probably made him want to just... Just choke him out. Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Which right there, hey, uh, uh, Chanel, I think there shows even how, he, you know, he realizes, like, I mean, he, he identifies with Christ. Right? And they say, you're his disciple too, you know? And, and so he starts to identify with them. Um, it says, um, we know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, huh? Now, that is remarkable. 
You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Now, don't miss that. I'm going to go back to there. But we know that uh, God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So uh, people being blind can see healing, healing these guys. And, and why are we reading this? This is not just history, family. So some of us in here love Jesus, okay? And, we're, and we, we hear these truths and we think, oh, yeah, I know this stuff. Um, some of us in here go to church and are playing games. We want to love Jesus, but we still haven't dedicated ourselves to Christ. And this is a wake-up call for you. Um, some of us here don't love God. And God, and God, what he's trying to show us here today is he's trying to show us that he performed these miracles to let you know that he is not only God, but that he deeply loves you and that all this is going to lead to the triumphant cross where he dies and rises for his people. Amen. So that's what all this is about. So if you're a believer, I wouldn't get comfortable here. I would be celebrating because this is beautiful. Don't miss this. He says, the man answered. Now, this, that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Um, continue on, please. This here is, um, I love the astonishment. I love, I love sometimes in life we get astonished um, by belief. But it seems here, and it seems that the passage is, all, the, whole, the whole chapter is about the astonishment of unbelief. Is that he's astonished that people can have healings right before their eyes. That the truth of Jesus can be proclaimed right to you, week in and week out. That God says, I'm the Lord of the universe, that I love you, and I have done all this for you. And then he shows up, and he shows these, these, these historical narratives, but then he does things in our life, and then we're still men and women who do not believe. And it's astonishing. It's, it's, it's surprising to the Lord. So the question I ask, I would say the text is asking, is what astonishes us? Unbelief or belief? Now, the revelation of God and a person giving themselves to Christ is supernatural. The Holy Spirit has to do it. So we celebrate, and that's unbelievable, for sure. But I want to say both. We should also be astonished. When we see the intricacies of a leaf, and we think it just happened because water came together. Versus a creator. And that the creator has, wants to have a relationship with us. And he loves us. We shouldn't be mad in unbelief. We should be astonished. We should be saddened. Continues on. I'm almost done, fam. To this, uh, they replied. And I love interesting, by the way. Um, um, this is probably, right here, this whole persecution piece. Right, to this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? Right. So I love this is very interesting. I love how they call him out and they and they try to they try to like like almost like bring him back to what he was kind of like, you know what? No, you you see you. They, 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 you know, they probably act like they weren't as pious, but now it's all out there. We always thought you was a sinner because you're blind. Right now. Now, now they're playing with heavy balls. You know, uh, you we do. What you going to say, Mr. Blind man? Now you can see you was blind all this time because you in sin. Right. They just, they just pull it out now. Start showing their true colors. And then, and then they threw him out. Um, seems to be uh, one of the first times of, of persecution um, in a sense of a person recognizing Christ as their king, uh, which is very interesting here. They would say that this is the first definite act of, uh, way of persecution for Jesus' followers. Uh, Jesus heard uh, that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? 
uh, continue on. And I want you, I want you to notice something here. Um, the literary setup. So now, I, now I'm just, I'm just throwing this out. So you got the blind. So you got, uh, you know, chapter seven and eight. It's talking about this sense of like, I'm here, but you don't know me. You don't know where I'm from. Then this whole aspect of, of like, man, you guys think you can see these Pharisees and they're arguing about their pedigree and who they are and where they come from. And Jesus is saying, you don't even see. And then you got chapter nine. He says, I've been telling you, you don't see the, from a theological perspective. I've been talking about Abraham. We're arguing about the Pentateuch. But now I'm going to show you practically how the very people who are blind are now receiving sight. And look at you. Here you are. Can plainly see and you're blind. And he moves on, and I love he got this blind guy that he heals, and now the blind guy can see. Um, but then look at this, look at the literary setup. Now he he probably he probably looked at Jesus, um, you know for sure. But I wonder if also this whole concept of him hearing Jesus' voice. He probably is more familiar with Jesus' voice than his face. Is my point. But I, and I and I think he's moving forward to chapter ten, where the whole point of chapter ten is how his sheep hear his voice. Um, and so notice there's a blind sea and his sheep hear his voice. So chapter nine is a blind sea. And then we move on uh, next week for our homework. Chapter 10, the sheep hear his voice. So I don't want you to miss that. I think there's a great, beautiful progression uh, that God is giving us as we try to understand the truth of what God is saying. Continue on, please. And then we're going to head out. So who is this? Who is he, sir? See, like, see what I'm saying? Sis? I, I, it seems that, he, that the, there's a progressive revelation. He knew the guy healed him. He didn't know how he knew he was powerful. So, so to his extent, the most powerful people were prophets. I would suggest he just names the most powerful thing that he could think of. Uh, even he must be a prophet. Because <laughs> he didn't know what else he could be. You know? Continues on. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking uh, with you. I don't have time right now. I think something we can all ask ourselves, how do we respond to Revelation? Um, it says, then uh, the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped, uh, he worshipped him. Like how, like how do we respond to Revelation in our life? Because we're seeing gospel revelation here. We're seeing a man realize that Jesus Christ is actually his creator and loves him and wants to give him life. Uh, but the gospel continues on. We, we are believing the gospel continuously. And the question I think we can all ask ourselves is how do we respond to revelation? How do we respond to the truth of God being revealed to us on a day-to-day basis? Here's his response. He worshiped him. Continue on, please. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Um... I would have loved to have dialogue here, but I just want to share. I think this is, one of the, this is probably the theme verse. Um, continue on, please. Some Pharisees uh, who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? That's one of, uh, Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. If you were ignorant, you wouldn't actually be guilty. But because you can see plainly. But now you claim you can see, so your guilt remains. And, and, and this is, I think this is the theme of our community. Far be it the world for sure, but specifically in our community, you know, I, I, I beat, I beat my, I'm, just, I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, Lord, help us understand how to serve our community. Because I just have never been in a place where everyone is churched, um, where we're all doing the church stuff, and yet, and, 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 and acting like we can see, but yet we're blind. Um, as we're serving on mission in our community, 
And I just pray that we have discernment to see through the stuff of, of individuals who are like, yeah, I do this, so I know I see, but yet they're blind. This is probably the biggest theme is that only the blind get healed. Is that you can't even be a Christian unless you admit you're blind. There's no, there's no way you became a Christian if you always think you just love God. There's no way you became a Christian if you just think you just go to church. If you, if you can't submit to the Lord that you are totally messed up, steep in sin, and you need Jesus, by definition, you're not a Christian. Only the blind get healed. I just long for myself and all of us to be men and women who understand our state and who understand our recreative state. But you can't be recreated if, you don't, if you're not supposed to be, if you don't think you need to be. What God does is he recreates us and he makes us new in himself. It only happens when we say that we were broken. And it's the same for all the people we're serving. All the people we're serving and neighboring within our community. So many, so many of us are going through the motions, again, us especially, I'm talking in our, in our community specifically, the African-American culture in our community, and we're going through the motions, and we're not claiming that we're blind. There's two responses. So we, either, we can agree with God and recognize our blindness, claim, and you actually receive healing, or um, as a believer, we accept the light and we just continue to live in it. But there's no, there's no room for this. There's no, um, there's no half open eyes and live by the amount of light we desire. I think that's sort of the, that's sort of the normal. I think, I think we all try to opt out to this bottom one. We, we want to just sort of, I'll, I'll live, I'll do kind of some of the things here and kind of some of the things there, and I'll just live in sort of momentary light based on what I desire. You know, um, and this, it, it just reminds me of like, you know, Jesus, as I really see us looking at Christ, especially in our community here, um, where where Jesus has like like we think he has a bag of gifts right here, and then we're there, and then we're like reaching out to Jesus, but we're actually just really trying to grab the bag, you know, like we're not we're trying to grab the bag, and Jesus is saying, no, I want you to embrace me, and so life is almost like us continually going. Jesus, can you just hold the bag out a little more so I can grab it? And we keep trying to snatch for the bag. And Jesus is going, no. It's, this is really about embracing me. It's not about the bag. That the gospel, Christianity, is about people embracing. You hear me, sis? People embracing Jesus. I have a few um, applications for us. I want to ask us to do, um, I think there's, there's, a, there's a gospel component and there's a missional component. It seems to be in this text here. Obviously, the gospel component um, is for, for, for us to, to man, be enjoying the gospel. If, if you are not a believer here, I pray that, this, that the, the truth of this man, um, man that, that we would ask ourselves, wow, did, basically, did he heal him? I think it's really simple. Did he heal the man? If he healed the man, there's a response. So I'm cool if you say, I don't think he healed him. Okay. So we can process that more. But if you're saying, I believe this happened, then, he, then Jesus is who he is and he's worthy of your life. 
So if there's anyone here right now who's been playing, we play church and, we, and we're just kind of dedicated, I want to ask you to just give yourself to Christ. Give yourself to Jesus. Say, Jesus, this is the day where by faith I say, I give you my life. Right? You take my sin and I take your life. By faith. That's what it means to be a Christian. That you now are Jesus's. You are his. And you have received him as your king. And you repent of your sin. You say, Lord, I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to repent. And I want to live a life uh, that honors you. Uh, and the Lord says he, he snatches you up. Period. It's real simple. The missional component. I, um, I really, we as a body, we have to, I feel like we've been kind of slipping. I said it earlier. Uh, I want to encourage us. So we have a bunch of outreaches coming up. Okay, guys? We've got an outreach next week. We have a momentum outreach after that. In the, in the month of March, I think we have two momentum outreaches and maybe a couple other outreaches. We're just going to be serving the Lord out in the community all the time. Okay, fam? Um, the reason why we're doing this is because we believe Jesus Christ is what life is about. We believe that people need to respond and hear the message of the gospel, and this gives us an opportunity to have a microphone before people to express the gospel to people and to love them, to be able to care for them and do certain things. I want to ask you guys, uh, what's really cool is we now have over 40-something people who are in discipleship relationships, and so we, should, we have a critical mass now. And what I want to ask is for each of us to be praying for two of our neighbors um, and asking the Lord, Lord, would you, would you allow me to start to connect with two of my neighbors and to be inviting them to the arena of covenant community, to invite them to what God is doing in our community and just saying, you know, I mean, Gretchen just started walking with the Lord, um, which is so cool. And then she brings a guy from a restaurant, you know, to come and hang out um, last week. And then it was funny. Now, who, who does this? Then she goes to childcare, And so. No, but what's cool, I love that. She didn't make an excuse. I can't bring him this week because I got child care. But you trusted the covenant community. And so he sat with the brothers. He sat with Harv and them, you know. And so I just thought that was really cool, sis, that you took, that you, you took a step of faith. So, um, I, and, and the reason I'm going to do this is because we want to reach our community. We want people to experience the love of Jesus. Um, so I want you to do that. Two people. Two neighbors. And then I want you to ask, there's two people um, who are just in your sphere of influence. Maybe they're not your neighbors, but they're people that you've been, you're like, Lord, I would love to just be able to connect with these guys and allow them to hear the gospel. I want to ask you to pray. Just pray for those four people, your two neighbors and the two people in general, and just ask God to give you favor, to be able to share your faith with them, to be able to invite them to come kick into different things we're doing, to be able to serve, whatever it is. Just pray and ask the Lord. See, I'm convinced. The Bible teaches that he's way more concerned about people coming to Christ than I am. So if you're praying about that, if you're really asking the Lord to give you opportunities to share your faith, to give you opportunities to ask people into real life, the Lord will make it happen. I'm dead convinced of it. So if we all did that, you know, the 40-some people in this type of relationships, and then there's another 10, 15 who just come and hang out. If we all did that, I mean, that gives us an opportunity just, just to, to, to be able to saturate the gospel to a hundred or so people. And that's exciting for me. That's really cool. So that's one way we can uh, respond. Um, finally, enjoy the Lord. Just enjoy this reality that the same one who healed this blind man healed you if you're a believer. That you can see now, not because you're smart, but because he came and initiated with you. I think there's something about the initiation. I said out there, so I was going to end on this. There's something very sovereign about the initiation. 
that he just came and just healed this guy. And that sovereign story is retold in all of our lives. I want to end with that in prayer.